they fell apart again. So I listened to the preacher as he told me what to do. He said, you can't go hating others who have done wrong to you. Sometimes we get angry, but we must not condemn. Let the good Lord do his job. You just pray for them. Somehow, I don't think that's what the preacher meant. <laughs> but whenever we've been offended by somebody, that's how we feel. Yeah, come on, good word, right? It's like, I just, I want to get even. I want them to suffer. I want them to, to experience a measure of pain. But in reality, you know, even if those things happen to them, that's not going to compensate you for what you feel and for your loss. I think people would, they would choose to forgive if they just understood what forgiveness was and what it's not. For, forgiveness begins by, with simply acknowledging that something had taken place, that you have been offended. Because a lot of people, they don't even admit they've even been offended. In other words, they say, well, did, did that hurt you? Were you offended by that? And they go, no. I'm okay. Because like if I admit that I've been offended, somehow I'm admitting that I'm like an inferior Christian. But you're not inferior. You're just admitting that you just had this, you're just human. And see, it's not the issue of whether or not you get offended. The issue is how quickly can you resolve the offense to get through to the other side. Offense is not saying that, uh, or it's not saying that, that it didn't happen to you. In other words, some people think, well, if I, if I forget that I'm just like, you know, saying it didn't happen. No, it, it, it did happen. It's, it, you know, forgiveness is not like pushing the delete button on your brain. Forgiveness isn't saying that it wasn't, you know, significant or that it didn't affect you or that you're no longer affected by it. Because really what forgiveness does, it just... It's just releasing the power of that event off of your life. It's what it's, it's what it's doing. Jesus would describe it in what we call the Lord's Prayer as forgiving a debt. Forgive us, Lord, of our debts as we forgive our debtors. Because what happens when I, when I offend you, that creates an obligation. So if I offend you and you say to me, you owe me an apology, that would be correct terminology. Because I, it creates an obligation that really needs to, be, needs to be paid. And so you want to collect on that debt that I owe you. And the way you want to collect on that debt is that you hope that I suffer, get punished in some way. And somehow you think that if I, if I, if I hurt and if, and if I get punished, then somehow then 
you, you will feel okay or you feel like the debt has been paid. But in reality, there's nothing that I can do that could pay for your loss. There's nothing that I can do this. So the only way that you can be free of the debt is to release the debt. Because if you don't release the debt, you need to understand something. You, because you're holding on to that debt, that means you're also holding on to your offender. You see, you are tied to your offender. You are, you are, you are connected to your offender, a, a tied to your offender as long as you're, you're holding out to collect the debt. So if you want to be free from your offender... That only happens through forgiveness. Forgiveness is giving up any <coughs> expectations that you have. Whether those expectations are realistic or unrealistic, it doesn't matter. They're just simply unmet. I mean, for example, let's say that, uh, uh, you know, we have expectations for our spouses. You know, in other words, so, so my wife and I, when we, when we got married, you know, before we got married, we, you know, we, have, we talked about our expectations that we have. I expect this of you, you expect this of me, and so far I have these expectations of each other, and as long as we meet those expectations, we're fine, but let's say I don't, I don't fulfill those expectations that we talked about. What, what's, what's that going to do? Well, she's going to get offended by that. It creates an offense. So she can choose to forgive me, I'll ask her to forgive me, she forgives me, but what happens if I keep, keep not meeting those expectations that we talked about, then bitterness can rise up. Sometimes we have expectations of other people that we don't realize that we had until they get violated. See, I can have, my wife could have expectations of me that I didn't know about. And, and I violate those and then she gets offended. We talk about it she goes, well, you didn't, you didn't meet those expectations. I go, I didn't even know you had those expectations. And her response is usually, you should have known, right? <laughs> we have expectations for our children. We have expect expectations for our parents. But what if you had a parent who was simply like emotionally disabled or they were just wounded or they hurt you and abused you or whatever like that. And let's say you had this, this parent and, and you had this expectation, and it's a legitimate expectation because growing up you expect your parent to love you, take care of you, protect you, tell you how amazing you are. I mean, you had these expectations of, of your parents to do, to do that. And let's say that they were unable to do that, and it created an offense. So now you're angry, you're bitter with your parent. Sometimes we hold on and we hang on to that just hoping that one day, my parent will just wake up, smell the coffee, and just say, I'm sorry. But what if your parent doesn't have that capacity to ever do that? You know, some people, like, put their life on hold. They're waiting for that to happen, and it's never going to happen. Your, your solution is simply to come to God and say, God... I release my parent of all those obligations that they have to love me and to treat me like a child, right. their child. I release them of all those expectations and that obligation, never expecting that again. Well, Lord, I still have those needs, and Lord, you're going to have to come through somehow and meet those needs. And God can do that. 
but you have to let it go. And you have to let them go. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. Because some people, they say, well, I, I don't want to forgive because if I do, then I have to be reconciled. But you see, reconciliation requires two people. It requires that other party to, to be willing to do things in order to make reconciliation possible. And sometimes that's not even possible. You don't have any control over anybody else. And you can't make them do what you want them to do. But you're still obligated to forgive, even though reconciliation may not happen. God loves reconciliation. He wants to bring it to pass. But it requires some things to happen on their end as well, and you have no control over them. Well, I was talking to one guy one time, and he said, well, I can't forgive my dad. And I said, why, why can't you forgive your dad? He says, well, because he's dead. Because to him, it's like it didn't count unless he could actually say it to him. In other words, I've got to verbalize it, and once I say it, then it counts. But if I can't say it, then it doesn't count. And I said, no, that, I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, you've got to choose to forgive and make a decision to forgive, you know, whether you say it to him or not. You know, and, and that person who hurt you, you don't, you don't have, they don't have to be present for you to say it, for it to count. Amen. They may not be here. They may be, you may not even know where they are. But don't feel like that you have to say it to them for it to count. Yeah. Now, having said that, if this offense that you have is basically on your side and that person doesn't even know that they offended you. Do not feel obligated to tell them. You and God can take care of this. You understand? Because all, all you're going to do is create another offense. You know, periodically, and I'm, and I'm sure Joel and Jeff, these guys have had this happen to them. You know, somebody, when I was pastoring, I pastored 32 years on the West Coast. Some, you know, somebody come up to me and they say, Pastor, I just want you to know that I forgive you. <laughs> okay, like, what, 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 what did I do? And they would tell me something, you know, that they thought, you know, that I, how I hurt him or some, something. And, I'm, and, and, of course, I'm, in my mind, I'm, well, on the outside, I'm being nice. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Would you, would you forgive me for that? And what, what's going on on the inside? That is the stupidest thing to ever get offended over. And now I'm getting offended at them because they got offended at me. So if, if the other person doesn't know about it, you take care of it between you and God. Do not feel obligated to share with them. It, it can count if it's just you and God. Okay? Forgiveness is not releasing the proper emotional boundaries that you, could, that you would put around yourself to prevent future wounding that this person could do. Not everybody is safe. And you don't need to subject yourself to abuse, but you still need to forgive. If you feel like you're, well, I, I, in other words, if you're one of these people, i got to say it to them to count, then you're just going to get slimed again. 
Because you're going. What happens is that you put a boundary. Like I, I'm, I can't really contact this person or talk to this person because I don't trust this person. But if I cross that over and say, "Well, you, you know, you have offended me," and then you get blasted because you cross that boundary, then all you're going to do is create an, another offense that you're going to have to forgive them for. A lady comes up to me one time and she says, "You know, my my husband tells me that I haven't forgiven him." And I say, well, well, have you? She goes, I think I have. You see, he, he, you know, he had an affair, and I chose to take him back. But sometimes when he gets close, sometimes when he gets close, it's like I, 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 the pain rises up. The hurt rises up, and it's like, okay, you know, today is not going to work too well. And he says to me, well, you haven't forgiven me. You see, for in his mind, he thinks forgiveness is you, you return to the previous state. But it's hard to return to the previous state when a violation like that has taken place. You see, his job is to rebuild trust. He's now obligated to rebuild trust. And what he was wanting to do is excuse himself of his job of rebuilding trust, hoping that if you forgave me, we'll just return to the previous state like, like nothing, nothing ever happened. But something did happen. And you have a job to do. Your job is to rebuild trust. Her job is to let him rebuild trust. So my question to her was, like, are you giving him... Are you allowing him to rebuild trust in your life? Because if you're, if you're not allowing him to do that, then you probably really haven't forgiven him. But if you are, then it's really his issue that he's trying to avoid his responsibility. You see, you can forgive and not trust anybody. Or trust them. Forgiveness is not just blind trust. They still have to rebuild trust. And if somebody's hurt you, abused you, molested you, whatever. I mean, you have, a, you have a boundary there, and you don't have to cross that boundary until, until that person begins to do their part in rebuilding trust. And what forgiveness does for you is that it helps you get on with your life and to fulfill your destiny. Joseph, good example of that in the Old Testament, whose brother sold him into slavery, goes into Potiphar's house, who take, ends up sending him into prison, but later becomes like the most powerful person in Egypt under, under Pharaoh. When his brothers come in and realize this is the brother that they sold and the position that he's in, now they're scared to death. Like, he, he's going to take us out. I know he's going to take us out. But the only reason he hasn't taken us out because dad is still alive. But as soon as dad's gone, we're, we're toast. And dad dies. And what does Joseph do? He brings them in. And they're going, oh, no. <laughs> he says, guys, you meant it for bad, but God meant it for good. Yeah, that's right. Come on. And he was able to move on in his destiny because he had a lifestyle of forgiveness. Right. He let things go. You see, if you've got any bitterness, unforgiveness in your life, what you're doing, you're hindering your destiny. It's a restraint on you. It's holding you back. It's tying you down. And you can't walk in your destiny until, until you release all your offenders. Amen. Now, 
If you choose not to forgive, there are consequences for that choice. One is found in Matthew chapter 18. It's a story about a, really a king who, who called on a guy who owed so much money that it was really unpayable. It was an unpayable debt. And, it got, and, the, young, and the man appealed to the, to the ruler and said, you know, please, uh, please you know, have mercy on me. And the, and, the, and the ruler did, forgave him of this huge debt. And then he goes to walking, walking around, and he finds somebody who owes him just a small amount of money. He says, hey, you know, you need to pay me what you owe me. The guy says, I can't. Appeal to, to have mercy. And the guy says, no, I'm not going to have mercy on you. Throws him into the prison to be, until, until the debt is paid by his family. Wasn't a smart move on his part because somebody told on him. He goes, he goes before the king, and the king basically says to him, like, what world were you thinking? I mean, I forgave you of this huge debt, and you can't forgive this small debt. So it says that he was thrown into prison to be tormented by the tormentors. Who are the tormentors? I believe they're demonic spirits. For see, I believe that if, if you, if freely you have received, freely give. And if you freely have received forgiveness, you give forgiveness. You're in this place of grace. And in this place of the grace of God, there is protection for you. But once you no longer give what you have freely received, you actually step out of the place of grace and you step out of the protection of God. And therefore, you have nothing protecting you. And the demons look at that and they go, I got you. It's just like you just painted a target on you. I'm coming after you. You've given the enemy permission to torment you. So you forgive so you can step back into the place of protection. Another thing happened is that you actually, you curse yourself. James 3 talks about the power of the tongue. And what we know about words, words have assignments, words have substance. And when they come out of you, there's an assignment on those words. Luke 6 talks about, this is bless your enemies. You think, why would I want to do that? Well, there's a reason why. Don't curse, bless them. You speak, you speak, you speak, you know, the, the goodness of, of God over those people. And it tells you, do not judge, lest you be judged. And then in verse, in verse 38, which we usually get this verse around the sermon, and it does apply, I mean, around the, the offering. And it does apply to the offering because it is a principle. It says, given it shall be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running into your lap, for by your standard of measure, it will be measured back to you. The context of that verse is about judging. So if you judge, you get judged back. Whenever cursing comes out, cursing comes back. And when all that comes back to you, it comes back good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, pouring into your lap. In other words, it comes back in a greater measure. So if, if cursing's going out, cursing is coming back in a greater, in a greater way. If blessing goes out, blessing comes back. Because you want blessing to go out, right? Yeah, you want blessing to, go, to, to, to come out of you. And that way blessing comes back. But whenever bitterness is there, blessing is not what comes out of your mouth. That's right. Amen. It's negativity. So words have substance and assignment. So therefore, you, one word goes out and a harvest of words comes back at you. So if you're feeling judged all the time and you're feeling cursed all the time, you may need to check out 
the words that have been coming out of your mouth, you just might be receiving a harvest of what you've been sowing. Another thing that happens is physical problems. And that's because, again, you're stepping out of the grace of God. Lady comes into a prayer meeting we had one time, brand new to the church. She comes in, find out we're having a prayer meeting at, at noon. She comes in and she goes, oh, my back is hurting me so bad. You know, I, I'm, on, you know I'm on disability and I'm taking all the pain medication that I can legally take and it's hurting so bad and I just don't know what to do. I just need prayer. Oh, yeah, well, let's pray for you. So, so I, <clears throat> I, I, we're getting ready to pray. The Lord speaks to me. He says, ask her about her husband. I said, tell me about your husband. That man. You won't believe what that man did to me. You know, he left me. I had to raise those kids by myself. I had to work two to three jobs. But that was a long time ago, and I'm over it now. <laughs> Would you like to forgive him? <clears throat> no, I don't want to forgive him. He doesn't deserve to be forgiven. He ran off with that floozy and, and just went all over the world. Never gave me a dime. I got this back problem because of him. I had to just work two to three jobs all this time there. And raise those kids by myself. And he never gave me one cent. But that was a long time ago, and I'm over it now. When we finally led her to forgive him, she, her back was totally healed. Amen. You know? My wife and I were in Brazil one time, in Lodrina, Brazil, and, and uh, in, in a church there, and, and uh, we, we had a line. You know, sometimes, you, you know, you get a line. We had, we had a line of about 12 or 13 women. First lady comes up. You know, we got a translator with us. She comes up, and we say, how can we pray for you? She says, well, I have this, this pain in my back. Okay, so let's pray for that. And the Lord speaks to me and says, ask her if she needs to forgive somebody. Do you need to forgive somebody? Yes, there's this man. He hurt me. And when we let her to forgive the guy, she was healed. Next lady comes up. How can we pray for you? I've got this pain in my back. I said, okay, well, let's pray. Again, the Lord speaks to me. Ask her if she needs to forgive somebody. Do you need to forgive somebody? Yes, there's this man, and he hurt me. So he prayed, you know, when she forgave the guy, the pain left. Next lady comes up, how can we pray for you? She goes, I've got this pain in my back. This time I don't wait for God to tell me anything. <laughs> I said, is there anybody that you need to forgive? Yes, there's this man, and he hurt me. When she forgave this guy, she was healed. Next lady comes up, how can we pray for you? I got this pain in my back. I said, what man hurt you? <laughs> Every one of those women had a pain in their back. Every one of those woman, women had a man who had hurt them. And every one, when they forgave, they were healed. You see, there's something about bitterness that kind of settles down into the bones. Now, just because you have bone problems doesn't mean there's bitterness there. But when I'm praying for somebody and they have bone problems, that's, that's one of the questions I do ask. And actually, I've seen more people healed just by forgiving somebody than, than by anything else because it just kind of stays in the body. Because here it is. It's, it's, it's like you're in this place of grace because you freely give as you have received. But when you step out of that place of grace, it, things settle into your body. And when you forgive, you actually step back into the place of grace. 
And it doesn't even matter how long the offense, how long ago it took place. Lady who was in Tucson, Arizona one time, she, uh, she, she came up afterwards and she said, you know, I've had this pain in my neck for 20 years. Ever since I had this car wreck and I realized I never forgave the person who ran into me. And when she forgave him, her, neck, her 20-year-old neck pain was gone. And sometimes we have to forgive the person who ran into us. Sometimes we have to forgive the doctors, the hospital, the insurance company. or something. We might need to forgive ourselves because we caused it. But it doesn't matter how long. You cut off the impartation of the blessings that others can give you. In other words, if you have an offense from your parents, you actually cut off any, even any spiritual inheritance that would flow down to you. You can't receive from spiritual leaders or from other people if, the, in a, if offense is there. If somebody comes up to me when I was pastoring and they say, Pastor, we feel like God's leading us to go to another church. And I would ask them, I says, well, could you tell me why? And if they say, well, to be honest with you, we're just not getting fed anymore. My response is, how did I hurt you? Because if they have an offense against me, they can't receive from me anymore. Because I know it's not the preaching. <laughs> this is why people leave churches. This is why they leave your small groups. This is why they leave your, a circle of friends. It's because they, if an offense is there, they can no longer receive. And then they leave. And then also recognize that your offender still has power over you until you forgive. And that should irritate you if nothing else does. Guy comes in my office. I didn't know this guy. Somebody recommended him. He comes in my office. And uh, he's a mess. Mid-30s. Got little things for carpal tunnel on his wrists. And He's, and he starts telling me everything in his life. And his life was really, it's a wreck. Relationship with his wife and his kids and all that. I mean, it's, everything's horrible in his life. And then he finished it all by saying, it's all my mother's fault. Okay. I mean, what do you mean it's your mother's fault? And then he goes on and says, well, she's in my life. She's in my kid's life. She's in, in our marriage. She, you know, I can't keep a job, blah, blah, blah. And it's all, and she, like, she's in the middle of all of our business. And, and the reason I'm in all of this mess is because of her. So, you know, I, I said, well, would, would, would you like to forgive her? He goes, no, I don't want to forgive her. You know, she doesn't deserve to be forgiven. And, and so, he, you know, he just, he just went on and on. And I tried to tell him all the reasons why he should, but nothing was working. I said, Lord, you need to give me a different strategy here. So I said, so what's your mother doing now? She goes, well, she's home. What's she doing at home? Well, she's probably watching TV. Is she happy? Oh, yeah, she's fine. She's as happy as she can be. Okay, so she's home, she's fine, she's doing good. Yo, yeah, she's doing good, she's fine. She didn't have any problems. I, I said, okay, so she's home, she's fine, she's good, and where are you today? You're in my office, and you're a, you're a wreck. Oh, but you're punishing her, aren't you? You're getting even with her by holding, the old, you know, holding on to that, aren't you? And you begin to realize... He wasn't punishing her. He was only punishing him. Yeah. See, there's a lie. There's a lie that the enemy puts on us that if I hang on to it, somehow I'm punishing them. 
If I hang on to it, somehow I am hurting them. And that's a lie. The scripture says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 19. It says, never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Bitterness is nothing more than unfulfilled revenge. Steve, Judy, why don't you come on up? Let me, let me, let me illustrate this for you. All right, face each other. All right, take that passage literally, all right? So let's, oh, you, you can step back a little bit here. Let's say that Steve hurt Judy, okay? So what happened is that Steve hurt Judy, so Judy basically hanging on to it. So now she's attached herself to him, and because she's attached herself to him, you know, she decides to do God's job. It says, never take your own revenge. Only let God do that. Right? That's God's job. So, as long as Judy decides to do God's job, and if I'm, it's like I'm God back over here, that I'm trying to deal with Steve, but I can't deal with Steve because somebody's decided to do my job. In other words, you are hindering God from doing his job if you decide to take your own revenge. The only way that God's going to do his job is if you release yourself from this person by forgiving them. So it's time to forgive them. And when you do, you step out of the way. And you give God a clear shot. So today, are you... Thank you, guys. Oh, no, one, one more thing. That passage is actually quoted from the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 32. The word there says... Do not take your own revenge. Do not take your own revenge. It says God, God says, I will repay. That word I will repay, it is the Hebrew word shalim. The root word is shalam, which also shares the same word, which is the same root word for shalom. You actually bring God back into the picture. So what happened when you bring God in, God's actually going to do the repaying, and he's going to deal with Steve in God's way, redemptive way. But also, you remember I said, you have a loss? God's going to pay you back. God's going to compensate you. God's going to give you what you need. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, guys. So you ready to forgive? Would you stand?